Welcome back to the In Squash Podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Gibson, and it's great to be back and really happy to have on Ben Ford, coach to Gina Kennedy uh, since she was a young junior and former pro player himself. Ben talks about his uh, squash backstory, which included a brief pro career and how he got into coaching full-time immediately after that. Um, This ultimately uh, led to him working with Gina and other top players, and he looks back at how all of that uh, happened. The past couple of years, though, have been uh, full-on with Gina, uh, as uh, especially when she landed full-time on the tour. In that uh, period, it's been monumental, especially uh, winning the gold medal, uh, the Commonwealth gold, and that was a, a goal that they had set a, a few years back, and he talks about uh, how all that played out, and uh, what an incredible achievement that was for Gina and uh, also for Ben. Ben tells us also about uh, the injury struggles that occurred, uh, well, that have uh, sort of uh, followed Gina around prior to and and, uh, following the Commonwealth Games, even up until the most recent event where she had a severe uh, heel blister, I believe it was. And uh, we talk about her injury struggles. We also have a great chat about the women's game in general. So uh, before we get into that, though, uh, on episode 256, before we get into that, a word from our sponsor, Open Squash. Open Squash Fi Dye. It opens September 2023. Pre-opening membership sales start now. So if you're in the New York City area, take a look at this. Their second New York City center, Open Squash Fidei, is now open for membership registration. Their irresistible offers will get you bouncing through the door to check out this brand new state-of-the-art facility with eight new courts, including a glass court for daily use, a squash-centric gym, and a full range of classes and clinics you have come to enjoy at Bryant Park. Open Squash Fidei promises to be our next sold out squash center here's the deal sign up today confirm your membership with your first monthly payment and the first 100 players to sign up gets two months for free or get one month free if you sign up for fidei before they open an annual commitment with monthly payments is required. So that's uh, the latest from uh, Open Squash. Take a look at their homepage, opensquash.org. There's a lot more to what they're doing. And uh, Cleve uh, Miller, executive director there, he was on the panel uh, that we recently had and plenty of food for thought uh, in terms of what they're doing in New York and how we can uh, sort of use that maybe uh, possibly as a template for developing and growing the game across uh, the country of America and also North America and uh, globally as well. It's uh, definitely some food for thought there coming from him as well as the other panelists. Take a listen to episode 255 if you haven't done so already. But today it's all about ep. 256 with Ben Ford. Hey, Jerry, how you doing? Hey, how are you, sir? I'm very well, very well, thank you. Yeah, it's great to hear your voice. And uh, just before we, we get started, I just want to say my, my deepest uh, condolences. Thank you, thank you. Your family, yeah. Um, how's everything? Yeah, we're doing all right, yeah. Um, yeah, kids are uh, keeping me busy, as you can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, got two girls yeah. as well, by the way. Oh, uh, really? What ages? Uh, twenty-two and uh, eighteen. Okay, you're a little bit, a little bit ahead of me then. I've got the that nest. to come. The nest is empty, but uh, oh man, uh, 
I, I'm, you know, I look back, I, you know, those are the, the great, the best times of my life or with them and growing up, you know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, good, good fun. We had a weekend away last week doing lots of sports and uh, activities and stuff. So trying to keep them busy. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the key. Keep them busy, uh, keep them out of that and keeping them busy keeps them out of trouble. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Ben, uh, so so great to have you on the on the pod. And uh, just before we get uh, get into it, um, I know most people know you now through through your uh, coaching of uh, Gina Kennedy. And uh, I kind of knew you a little bit uh, in your short period there, where you were playing some decent squash on the PSA. But if you could tell us uh, a bit about your squash background, both as a player and then how it uh, morphed into uh, the coaching, or if that's how it went, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, um, so started playing at about seven. Uh, both my parents played at local club. My brother played, um, so I had no choice really. Like, well, either sit around and do nothing, or get on court and start playing myself. So, started playing. Um, from what I, what I can gather, I picked it up pretty quick. Um, obviously, showed a little bit of talent and parents started getting me coaching and joining the junior section and stuff like that and that progressed of mo like most kids playing tournaments and and then on to national squads and stuff like that um and yeah so I was I was a decent junior not not one of the best I was probably like top 5 most most of the time in each age group but never actually represented England at any junior uh, age group uh and then yeah got to like 18 coming out of juniors and finished education wasn't really what I wanted to do. I didn't really enjoy education, but I didn't really know what I was going to do. So I just started, <laughs> just started playing squash on the PSA tour or okay, yeah. I'm, not sure, I'm not sure if it was still ISPA at the time. It might've just changed over to PSA. Right. So that would, that would have been a 30 years ago. Uh, that's how long ago I joined the PSA. So you were the 30. So who were sort of the guys that you were competing against back then 30 years ago? That would have been sort of early. That would have been like guys like Craig Rowland and. Uh... Well, yeah, I mean, not, not on the PSA. I was, I'd never got to that level. I was, uh, yeah. I was way, way down the list. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah like the top, top guys that were playing in England at that time, like Chris Walker, Del Harris, yeah, yeah. Paul, Paul Gregory, um, people like that. So I managed to get on court. And play a few of those and not training training matches but yeah i was not i was nowhere near that level mainly mainly due to a lack of dedication and um not enough hard training i was uh i was pretty lazy to be honest yeah back then i mean those guys i mean not saying that they don't do it now but uh the, the court sprints and, and uh the, the training that they put in like chris walker i'm sure i mean he was just a you know a machine when it came to that that kind of stuff so you'd have to uh be super dedicated to uh, to keep up the or stay ahead of even the, those guys, you know. Yeah, I mean that that was Chris Walker especially was was pretty good. Like he, I was maybe like hundred in the world, and he was top ten in the world. But whenever I'd ask him for a hit, he he would always say yes, and so he was really it was really good of him to do that. So I would head over to Dolphin Square where he lived, where they had squash courts, and he would just yeah run me ragged. And like Paul Gregory, I remember going to. Cottons at London Bridge and asked him for a hit and he obliged and he, I thought it was going to be a nice friendly game 
because <laughs> he because he was way way ahead of my level, yeah. but he just he just treated it like it was the World Open final and just absolutely killed me. And then <laughs> at the end of and at the end of it, told me we was we was going to do like two hundred court sprints, which uh, which I wasn't planning on doing. Yeah, well, you uh, you asked for it. Exactly. Yeah, I don't think I went back again after that. No, those uh, those court sprints. I mean, uh, I don't think I don't know if the players do those anymore. It's more sort of periodized periodized and uh tailored training and more speed uh, like do you uh do you guys in the the group of players that you coach do you still do old school uh court sprints and beat drills yeah uh, to be honest with the with the pros and the adults i tend to let them go to the experts for like s and c stuff and yeah. um I, I i'm just making it up to be honest I, it's not my area of expertise at all uh, with the juniors, we'll always do something at the end of a, a session, like five minutes, just some speed work, um, just to just to give them an idea of what they should be doing. Yeah. But yeah, it's not not my area of expertise, so I wouldn't want to try and make it up and then someone gets injured or try and do too much with them. But there's there's still a place for court sprints, even if it's a stamina thing or more of a mental thing to go through that pain barrier. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, so so that was your playing uh, background. Uh, you, you play. You had the opportunity to to play against some some top players uh, on that tour. But uh, how did that uh, all uh, change? And how did you get into uh, the coaching game? Yeah, so I got to about twenty two uh, when the national lottery funding first came in for the England players, um, and. Yeah, there was two brackets. There were, I think there was three brackets: juniors, seniors, and then there was an under twenty-three bracket, which I I was obviously in. Mm. Um, and it was supposed to be, I think, the top eight players in the country for that age group were meant to get funding. Um, I would think I was five, maybe six in that in that bracket, but for some reason, still unbeknown to me, I never got selected, um, and that basically put an end to to me playing on PSA because financially it was just impossible. Mm. Um, so that would have made a bit of a difference. Um, so yeah, I stopped playing on the PSA about 22, 23 and then, yeah, just started doing a bit of coaching just as a way of making, making a living. Mm. Um, not really, it wasn't really what I wanted to do, but I didn't know what else to do. So started doing it. And then as it progressed and you start getting a few people that uh, show a bit of, improvements under under you it's a good feeling like you you yeah. enjoy watching them improve and knowing that you've made a difference to them and then instead of it just being something to make money i actually enjoyed doing it and got to be my passion yeah oh, brilliant so uh now just uh obviously we're going to be talking quite a bit about gina and uh and her uh her progress and her success but uh, just in terms of overall in terms of coaching uh you've been doing it now obviously for you know since you you stopped playing uh, uh profession yeah. and you've gained uh what you have now is a very good reputation globally i, w- I would say uh your name comes up amongst uh you know the the best coaches that are out there so just in terms of uh your coaching style how would you describe it um overall uh yeah i mean i think i think i've changed the way i think over the years i've I've definitely when i was younger and i probably still now make you make a few mistakes with certain players um and you obviously have to learn from that just just in what you try and focus on even with gina to be honest i think like when she was a junior um 
I think too much focus from probably from, more from me was about winning the next tournament, whether it be like the English Championships or the British Championships or the European Championships in the juniors, just focusing on beating those particular players that she was coming up against rather than working a bit more on technique, even if it meant that she went slightly backwards or didn't win everything long term, it probably would have got her to where she needed to be a little bit sooner. Um, so yeah, I've definitely tried to change that over the years. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would say I'm probably a pretty technical coach. Um, that was I try and look at people's swings and where they're making making mistakes in certain certain areas. Um, and a lot of that as well comes from watching and play. Like I think that's that's the toughest bit about coaching is unless you actually watch them in a pressurized situation. You can watch them in practice all day long, but as soon as they get to a pressurised situation playing in the tournament, you can't actually see where their faults are coming. Mm. Uh, so I try and get away and go and watch the kids that I coach playing tournaments as much as I can, just to see why they're losing to certain players when I when in training. It looks great, <laughs> but obviously yeah. something's going something's going wrong when they get to tournaments. Yeah, I mean that that's a really good point. I mean you, you can you could be hit you could hit. Uh... 200 300 straight drives perfect straight drives in a practice uh, session and then get out on court and when it's uh uh you know crunch time uh you know it's not happening for you so a lot of that's uh i guess maybe your swing breaks down under those situations or you know it's just a different different vibe maybe physical maybe yeah physical, but uh yeah it, it's interesting uh, uh yeah you can try and uh, replicate it with pressure pressure sessions and making it as realistic as possible but nothing really comes close to actually tournament play. Um, and yeah, like you say, I think a lot of that might be mental. Um, I think it definitely was and still is to a certain degree with Gina, mm -hmm. just stopping her from making that jump to the top five. Um, but it's getting better. It's definitely getting better. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so before, before we get into to talking about uh, Gina, but um just in terms of working with young juniors and talented juniors, and she was obviously one of the most talented uh, in England, that England scene uh, for many years. Uh, what has worked with you? Um, and this is going out to, to all the, the coaches out there, and it's, it's a huge discussion, how to, how, to how to handle, how to manage, how to have juniors enjoy their squash. So over the years, um, sort of what coaching techniques uh, have you used that ensure – sort of that they continue their love uh, for the game and also continue uh, their development? Yeah, I mean, I just try and, I know it sounds obvious, but I try and get them to enjoy it as much as possible. Um, I try and m make sure that they know that I'm interested in what they're doing. So I keep yeah. regular contact even when even when uh, I'm not with them. So I've just literally as we're talking now, there's text messages coming through from like an eleven-year-old that I coach who's playing in the English Championships at the moment. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so I try and keep regular contact and um, yeah, just just show an interest. And coaching-wise, it's just obviously individuality as well. Like not one one size fits all, um, yeah. which I think can be some coaches can be a little bit guilty of. Um, there's obviously fundamentals that need to be uh, stuck to, but then some people need to just have their individual flair 
Yeah, I guess, uh, I mean, you, you talked about your your style as being your, your more of a technical style and other people that have spoken to uh, about you. I think even, even actually Gina mentioned it when she was on here. She said you're very good technically. Um, but then I, what, to what you, your point you just had there, you don't want to, uh, maybe I'm wrong in terms of assessing what you said, but uh, you don't want to apply what works well for you all the time, right? No, no, definitely not. No, I mean, if someone's someone's swing doesn't look great, but they're hitting the ball exactly where it needs to go, I'm not going to change it just for the sake of changing it. Yeah, like uh, my... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, some of the players over the over the last probably 20 years, probably going back even further than that, top 10 players have had pretty strange techniques in terms of the way they move and the way they swing, but it works for them. Yeah. Like who's, I mean, I'm not, not saying that if you tried to change it, they would. They might be a better player, but that then on the other hand, they might not be. Like mm. Mazen, yeah. Mazen for one one example. Yeah. Someone once asked me what I would what I would do if I was his coach, and uh, honestly, I, I honestly don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like in, terms, in terms of his swing, in terms of his swing, I wouldn't know yeah. where to start. I wouldn't do anything. I I think it's all like you know, like we were talking about earlier for him. Uh, it's just mental. I mean, God. Yeah, yeah. That's God. that's all. If I was his coach, all I was talk about so was technical, yeah. tactical. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Another guy with a really odd swing who's really effective. Another Egyptian is uh, Yusuf Ibrahim. I, I try. I try. Um, he, he has that little thing he does with his elbow, like he tucks it in, and then yeah, yeah. And I've I've tried that a few times, and it actually I don't know what it is, but like it keeps like your elbow tight it's almost like you're you're hitting a golf ball like you got to keep yeah. your right elbow tight to your your side or what you know um yeah i mean he's, he's great to watch, watching him play like he's quite upright as well the way he stands um so deceptive like he's got quite a low low take back on his forehand and you can't really see what what he's doing um on the back end it's probably a little he's got a bit of a twist at the top of the swing but i mean it's a, it's still pretty traditional the way he takes his racket back and stuff but his forehand's really low and you just can't see what's happening yeah yeah again that's part of the you know the obviously the strength of uh, of his game yeah and that's the thing like with people that have got slightly different swings it's probably as much of a strength as it is a weakness yeah for sure. But just one more thing, uh, uh, just in terms of juniors and stuff, and you've probably, obviously, you you had this conversation with with Gene, I'm sure, uh, grappling over whether uh, to play uh, U.S. college squash, play U.K. college squash, or even just go professionally for for coaches who've had to deal with that conversation, because now it's becoming such a big thing in the U.S., especially uh, having those opportunities to to go there if you're a pretty good squash player. Um what what sort of what's your what are your thoughts on it? Because it's obvious to me uh, these days, especially. I mean, U.S. squash is it's on, you you end up there and you you end up playing some really good squash. You're you're pretty well prepared for you know hitting the ground running on the PSA tour. Yeah, I mean, obviously everyone's different. Um, first and foremost, if if you're going to go and go down that route, you've got to enjoy education. You've got to enjoy studying. Otherwise, it's going to be four four years of hell. <laughs> like it, 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 not that I would ever have considered it, but if if it was offered to me, I I would wouldn't have taken it because yeah, I just don't like education. Um, 
I just can't think of anything worse than sitting in a classroom for eight hours a day. And but yeah, <laughs> yeah. if if you if you're good at education and yeah, I mean it's a no brainer. You, you've got to take it. It's too too good an opportunity not not to take. Mm. Um, and like you say, the squash is getting better all the time. The coaches are good. Um, so it sets them up well. Sets them up well to to get ready for the professional tour. Are you uh, privy to sort of uh, the differences between like U.S. college and U.K. college? But because I know uh, the squash, uh, the U.K. college squash scene is also uh, relatively uh, or, or quite uh, strong. Yeah, yeah, it's getting getting better all the time. Um, I don't think there's uh, the same sort of depth in the English one, and I don't think they train quite as. Um, yeah, tr- quite as hard as the US colleges. Um, obviously, speaking to Gina, like it's every day, same time, every day, a couple of hours, whatever it might be. I think it's a little bit more laid back, to, shall we say, in England. Yeah. They're definitely not that if they want to do every day, it's there, but I don't think it's structured that it's there. It has to be every day. Yeah, definitely. Uh, now, uh, Gina, uh, I don't know if you know, she's been, I think, maybe two or three times on, on, on the podcast, and uh, she's one of the most likable pers- people that I've uh, I've spoken to. She's just so, so cool, so nice, so intelligent, and, uh, you know, love what she's doing on the tour. Uh, first, before we get into it, though, how's she doing? Because I know she uh, had to retire in the second game there in Cincinnati against Olivia uh, Klein. Yeah, yeah. Um... So when she played Rowan the day before, she I spoke to her on FaceTime and she basically she's got a blood blister on the ball of her foot. Oh no! Uh, okay, Damn. and it's like quite, it's quite deep, deep in the skin. So they tried to drain it off before she played Rowan, yeah. uh, but it was it was too deep and they they couldn't actually get to it. Um, so she she managed to get through against Rowan. She actually played really well. Jeez, that, um, I mean that that's impressive. I mean to have that and and I think the match went. Didn't it, did it go five? Uh, uh, three one. Three one. Very, very long long three one. Um, she won the second pretty comfortable, um, but all the other three games were, were pretty tight. Um, but yeah, so so the next day, yeah, she just said it just got more and more painful, and yeah, it was pretty clear when I spoke to her that she was going to struggle in against Klein, and yeah. Um, yeah, obviously, if you're playing someone like Klein who's on good form anyway. Mm-hmm. You need to be a hundred percent, and she was probably not even not even fifty percent. So, yeah, Klein's got the bit between her teeth now. She seems very uh, fit, determined. I mean, not, she's got she's got a lot of squash talent. I think uh, maybe she struggled a bit previously with fitness or you know maybe self belief. But it's good to see uh, someone like her playing so well now. Yeah, I mean, hundred percent. I mean, when that's the second time Gina played her in you know, this period of five tournaments. The first time was in the final of I can't remember which event it was, but it was the final one of the silvers, um, and it was tough. Like Gina won three one, but to be honest, Gina was probably doing most of the work, um, and probably on paper, most people thought Gina's going to win. It's, a, it's pretty much of a guarantee. But I said to Gina after the match, I said honestly, you'll you'll see over the next few weeks that was a good win because she's playing top ten level. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like I say, she's got herself fit. She's always been skillful, but she's got herself fit. And yeah, she's, yeah. she's going to be in trouble for a lot of the players. 
Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, now, uh, most people who follow squash closely, uh, I think they know that you've been with Gina since she was, uh, maybe around 11. Uh, but just, just going into, uh, into that story, uh, how did that all come about? Um, and what was the dynamic uh, that over the years that, that that's kept you guys together? Gina mentioned, you know, obviously uh, when she when I spoke to her about it, she she just said that you it just clicked and uh, you know you you she trusts you with everything. So uh, uh, I'm sure that sort of speaks to how you feel as well. Yeah. Um, so when she was about eleven, I I was coaching at a club in Surrey, uh, Limpsfield. Uh, and she was, she just started for, I don't know how long she'd been playing, but uh, she was having coaching with a friend of mine, uh, David Harris. But he was, he'd only been to coaching full time for a year or two, um, but he was coming out of it. It wasn't for him. He wanted to get a, a, a proper job, as you, as you would say. Um, and he, he, he said to me, I'm coaching this girl, she's going to be really good. Any chance you could take over because I'm stopping coaching? I said, well, yeah, obviously send her over. I'll have a look and see see what we can do. Um, yeah, and straight for, straight from the first lesson, first session, she was like 11 years old. She wasn't she wasn't the best squash player, that's for sure. Um, but she had the she had the attitude. She was asking me questions, and mm. I think she always says to me when I'm when we talk about it that I said at the end of the session like. No one's no one of your age has ever asked me so many questions. <laughs> yeah, um, but that's what you want. You don't want to just talk to to your client or your pupil, or whatever. No, you what, want to what kind of questions? Uh, just for example, what, like at that. I age, think it was more like if if, if, I, if I if I gave her a, a bit of technical advice instead of just saying, "Okay, that's fine, I'll do that." She would ask, "Why? What? What am I gaining from this?" <laughs> um, yeah, so she wanted to understand what what the what the reason was for me giving it this, whatever it might have been at the time. Um, and that's what you want. You want them to be engaged. Otherwise, yeah, you could be telling them anything. Yeah. It just sounds, it sounds like a great, uh, you know, great period of time that you spent with her. Obviously uh, she went to, uh, to Harvard and, uh, you know, I got to uh, get some coaching from another, uh, well, one of the great ones, uh, Mike way uh, yeah. for several years. Um now, when she left Harvard, though, I would imagine you both knew at that time that her PSA ranking wasn't uh, sort of didn't reflect her level. So she went on this tear where she won, I don't know how many tournaments in a row, I mean, matches, but it was really impressive, all those Challenger Series events. Uh, but did you realize that she would make uh, such inroads so quickly, you know, reaching the top 10, sorry, the top 20 that quickly, and then eventually uh, the top 10? It was in record time. I, I would imagine. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, probably when she first started, I think we'd like set a few targets and uh, yeah, we probably was thinking more top 30 after like a year. Um, yeah. I think, I think COVID definitely helped uh, yeah. because there was quite a lot of events on in the UK um, and I'm not trying to take anything away from her wins, but they were mainly, well, they were UK-based players, so it wasn't it wasn't open to to like the whole world, um, right? So yeah, so yeah, she obviously won pretty much every event she was playing um, and shot up pretty quickly. But yeah, obviously we knew we even back then we was talking about players that were at the top of the game and 
how she could definitely get to where they are. And we, we knew what I knew. I'm not sure she did. I'm not sure she had as much confidence in herself as, as I had in her. Mm. Um, but yeah, we, we knew that she would get to the top 10 eventually, but thought we might take a couple of years to get there. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, definitely. That that period of time was amazing. I mean, she sort of she she hit the map, uh, the PSA map pretty quickly with all those challenger. And thank thank God for the challenger series. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, to be honest, um, yeah, I don't know how well known it is, but I actually played quite a big part in getting most of those tournaments up and running as well. Oh, really? um, yeah. So there was no tournaments coming on the calendar and there was like seemed like there's quite a few events in Europe and just France, Spain, whatever it was. And I was getting pretty frustrated because there was no tournaments, not just for Gina, because I I worked with quite a few other players. <clears throat> so I took it upon myself to contact all uh, loads of promoters that I know that have run previous events and um and just said to them, look, I think PSA were doing a deal at the time, 50% reduction on prize money. And so it was easy to put an event on. Um so I just contacted 20, 25 promoters and said, look, this is what they're doing. Can we get something going? These players are struggling. They've got nothing to play. Um, and we managed to get, I think, eventually over a three-month period, there was pretty much one, maybe two tournaments on every week for three months. Wow, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a busy, busy period, I do remember, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, hope. Hopefully, I helped in some way, not just with Gina, but with uh, with quite a lot of the English-based players um, to get it get it up and running. Once it was up and running, then it seemed to take care of itself. But just needed someone just to get hold of it and get it going. Yeah, it was a tricky period uh, at that time. I, I remember uh, even here um, couldn't really get out and play, and I was doing the uh, the Nick Matthew uh, at home uh, in the in the office training sessions. I was following his. Okay. <laughs> things, things you had to do back then yeah yeah but uh now now uh just fast forward slightly uh the highlight i would imagine of her career may uh probably of your coaching career was the uh, winning the gold medal uh this past summer uh absolutely awesome uh, it was so great to see that happen uh, for her and for for england uh, as well talk about that achievement when the when the sights were set on on the commonwealth gold or even just you know playing well at the Commonwealth Games and what sort of um, preparations went into uh, into that over the last little, after over the last couple of years, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think once she started playing full-time and COVID was finished and tournaments restarted, that was that was a, tar- a target to, to make the team to start with because she was so low-ranked. Low just to make the team was going to be a struggle if they were only going to take their top three ranked players. We thought it might not, she might not have enough time to actually even get high enough to get above whoever it might have been. I'm not sure who, who the person that missed out was, but we thought that might be tight. And then once we realised that she was probably going to get in in the squad, she she was pretty clear that she she wanted gold. Um, yeah, I mean she never really swayed from that whenever we spoke about it, it was that was pretty uh at the forefront of her mind that she she wanted gold it was never never a question of anything else um but she yeah, she was tough because from from march last year she pretty much 
the only period that she had of not being injured was probably six weeks <clears throat> before yeah. six weeks before Commonwealth Games and during Commonwealth Games. Other than that, she, from March she was injured, and then after Commonwealth Games she got injured again. So yeah. it's just in terms of the Commonwealth Games, it just fell perfectly. She kept herself fit. She got herself playing well. Um, yeah, and it was yeah, it was a great, great moment. Yeah, for her, but yeah, it was a great moment. I, I mean, I only made it to the final because of the situation that was going on at home with me. But uh, yeah, it was a special day. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was so great to see that. And, and I guess you, you know, just speak. She's she suffered with injuries uh, even this season, obviously as well. Um, but uh, you know, the fact that she's such a good athlete, very good athlete, and uh, uh, the fact that she's always extreme. She's going to be fit even when she's not playing or, or injured, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. She's a naturally fit person, yeah. Um, but, yeah, she's just had a few t- freak injuries last year. She had pro- – well, one of them was – the first one was in March at Manchester Open where they had a doubles practice for, for the Commonwealth Games. And I think she played 12 matches in three days, all, all on forehand. Right, yeah, yeah. So like it just wrecks her, wrecks her shoulder, um, and she couldn't actually hit hit backhand. And then she got a problem with her foot, and then yeah, and then from Houston after the Commonwealth Games, she got a hamstring problem, food poisoning, and and then obviously a disorder that she's got flared up. So she's been she's been unlucky, very unlucky. I know all players go through it, and I'm sure they've all got some sort of injury, but yeah, she struggled. Yeah. Well, when she, I mean, when she's healthy, I mean, she's just proven that yet again. The last few events, she's done really well. She's played extremely well. So uh, let's hope that, uh, you know, she can find a, a good period here where she, uh, you know, gets healthy and stays healthy. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like, it seems, seems like quite a lot of players are picking up injuries. I'm not sure, not sure if it's the follow-on from COVID where people are just going non-stop, non-stop and not really taking a break. I'm not sure it might be might just be coincidence. Mm. But I think PSA need to maybe have a look at the the way they're doing the rankings again because at the moment they've changed it with the divisor on the rankings so people can just play as many tournaments and it's still... It's still... Well, we lost Ben there. Uh, hopefully he, uh, he comes back here in a second. Uh, let's give him a few minutes. Uh, great chat with uh, Ben Ford. Um, there he is. He's back. Ben is back. Ben. Hey, Ben. Sorry about that. No My problem. I went on a little monologue there. I tried, I experimented with, uh, sometimes that happens. So normally I just let it ride, but, uh, <laughs> I did a little monologue there while you were gone and, uh, you came back. So good. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I'm on my phone, and uh, my brother-in-law was trying to get through, and I didn't know how to cut him off without cutting you off at the same you're time. Like you. You're like me. No, I'm not really savvy with all this stuff. Oh, I'm I'm shocking when it comes to uh, technology. Yeah. Well, uh, now you mentioned. Uh, I read a, an article. I think it was in Squash. It might have been on uh, the PSA website. You mentioned, uh, you know, that despite um, Gina's uh, jump in the rankings to the top ten, she still had room for improvement. 
and uh, namely her front court game. And as you talked about there, uh, her composure uh, under press pressure against her strongest uh, competitors. So let's uh, just take a look at firstly, you know, her front court or her front court game. Where was it when you first started trying to address uh, it compared to where it is, uh, I guess, like the last couple of years compared to where it is now? Yeah. Um, so most of it was down to shot selection. <laughs> um, like going going in short as a as a reaction as opposed to choosing to go short. So she would whereas most players when they're under pressure would lift it or get themselves out of trouble, she would actually her first reaction is to play a boast or a drop. Mm. Um and obviously as you can probably imagine, when you're not balanced and you're not in position, the quality is not going to be very good. Um so yeah, that that was the most most important thing, um, and then yeah, the other thing is when she's at the front is actually believing, just trusting her technique. Like she, I think she doubts herself uh, that a short game's not as good as what she actually thinks. Um, but it's got like over the last five weeks, six weeks playing in those events, I, I think she's won most of her points on her short stuff. Mm. Um, more more on one side than the other, uh, which is probably pretty obvious to most most people that have played her. Um, but the other side is getting better as well, um, and the way she plays it as well. But she when she gets yeah gets a little bit passive and pushes the ball in too slow and too soft, she gets picked off. So it's about taking it in with a bit more pace and she she started doing that the last couple of events of this tour and it uh made a big difference even even in the match that she lost against Victor first two games she was doing exactly what i said there going in soft and slow and then from the third she started taking it in with pace and it was a completely different game yeah, I guess it's a bit of a tricky one isn't it because she's so fast onto the ball isn't she and um you know, when when you're that way, you're going to catch your opponent sort of off, maybe off balance, not even back to the tee, not even maybe haven't they haven't recovered yet. But uh, I just remember when I was in uh, South Korea and uh, I used to play with a lot of the sort of national team players there. And there was this one guy and he was so, so fast. He, he'd mm. get to everything. And, and but he was always running through the, the ball. You know what I mean? Like you get there. Yeah. And, sort of hit a shot you know great but but it wasn't the best shot it, it never uh turned just because he was he was there too quickly and not balanced but you know eventually he he turned into a very good player and he used to use his speed to you know he'd slow down and then then hit his shots right is that something yeah. that you work on with with uh, with gina yeah yeah definitely um yeah i mean it's pretty clear when she first started out on the tour that she was just running around like a headless chicken most of the time, uh, which can which can still be enough to beat most of the players that she's coming up against. But against those, well, top 10 players, especially the top five, they're just too too clever, too skillful. Um, a couple of times she played SJ when she first started playing and, yeah, she got made made to look pretty, got to, made to look pretty silly yes. um, just because she didn't have any composure. Um so yeah, just trying to get her to sit down on her shots a bit more. Both are using her speed to to volleys. Like for the, 
yeah, for the first year of being on tour, she was hardly ever volleying. Um, and she's now now starting to volley a lot more. So she's putting putting her opponents under a lot more pressure. And physically, she's gonna she's gonna have the edge on most of them. So if she can start making them work even harder. She's gonna break them down even quicker. Yeah, definitely. Now, in terms of her mental game, she's obviously uh, extremely fit, and that requires a large, uh, in and of itself, requires a large uh, measure of mental toughness just to get there. But when it comes to, um, I guess, handling pressure in the big moments, uh, you've identified that as an area of improvement as well. I think that sort of uh, a lot of players maybe succumb to that problem. But uh, has that uh, been something uh, she's had to overcome throughout her uh, her career, or has it sort of surfaced more so now that the stakes are higher and she's uh, you know she's playing uh, for a spot at the you know in the top five in, in the world no I mean she's always been a little she's been very stressed every every time she plays a tournament whether it was under 15s or PSA she's always been the same she's always gets herself a little bit stressed and nervous even if she's playing someone that she's she's gonna win free love for points she were out in the back of her mind she used to think i could lose this match <laughs> and like, she's never going to lose that match but she's definitely shown over the last few weeks that she's i think she now realizes what level she plays at and she deserves to be there um she's definitely showing a lot more composure and confidence in her in her own ability and i think yeah i think we'll start to see a, a different player over the next few months yeah, well, definitely playing well uh, right up until the you know the unfortunate uh, injury there. She she's definitely looking good and looking fit, looking like she's enjoying it. Um, now, just uh, in terms of the the women's game, I mean, uh, obviously you you watch a lot of it. Uh, it appears this this is my breakdown of it, but it appears that the you know the top ten has like three tiers. You've got the big three: uh, uh, Amami, Gohar, and. Uh, and uh, Sherbini. Then you've got, yeah. I would say, Sobi, King, and Tayeb. And then Gina and several others are battling for, for top 10 uh, right in, in there. So it's sort of, I, I would say, I would describe it as very exciting uh, times in, in the women's game. Uh, firstly, what's your view on how the top three, uh, how that's played out so far this season? Yeah, I mean, it's brilliant to see. Um, someone, I think it might be my dad actually, was asking me who who I thought was the best player out of those top three or who's who should be number one. Yeah. Um, and, well, it's a flip of a coin for the three of them. If if any one of them played each other on any given day, it could be a different result every day, mm. um, which is brilliant. Um, it's what you want. I mean, Goha is number one because she's definitely been the most consistent. Um, but if she was playing Shabini tomorrow or she was playing Hamami tomorrow, I, I still wouldn't be able to pick a winner. Yeah. No, for sure. I, I heard a really crazy stat. Uh, I mean, she was so consistent um, uh, last year getting to every final, right? I heard that she earned more money than the top men male player. Yeah, well, obviously with the equal prize money for all the big events nowadays, yeah, if she's making the final every time. Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. 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 And that's good. That's brilliant. I mean, that's. I think a lot of people enjoy watching the women's more than the men's just because... Uh, <clears throat> it's a, it's a little bit cleaner. Yeah, there's less. less I mean, obviously you want drama, yeah. um, but well, there's, sometimes... there's been plenty of drama there at the top among the, especially the Gohar Hamami uh, drama. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, sometimes you watch exciting. the men's game. 
sometimes you watch the men's game and it could just get a bit boring. Just yeah. every rally finishes in an argument or a decision or a review, and it's just it just gets a bit boring, to be honest. Yeah, the game. I think uh, you know, fair play. They're trying to. I think they're looking into trying to clean it up, but it's going to be a. Uh, it's going to take time. But even that in that second tier, it almost bleeds into the the bottom of the top ten. I mean, everyone is so close. Um, so, what are your your views on on how that's played out? And is there anyone any one of those players, including Gina, that could penetrate the top three, or is it just so competitive among the three of them? that they've got that edge even more because they're just competing with each other? Uh, in terms of actual ranking, I think they, they're pretty solid the, in terms of the points they've accumulated. So they're going to be up there for the next 12 months, even if they had a slight dip and or had a couple of losses here and there. Uh, Amanda and Joel have also got quite a few points on there as well, but they're obviously, not obviously, um, they're a bit more open to a few losses. Uh, I know Amanda's had, a, had an injury recently, but yeah, they the top three are so consistent. They don't generally lose to anyone other than each other. Um, yeah, Tyab's Tyab's obviously extremely dangerous. Yeah. Um, hopefully her injury's not too bad. She picked up as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there's a few of them that could, could definitely break break into the top eight bracket. Um, SJ is obviously struggling for, for a while now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so unless she finds a bit of form, she's going to start dropping outside of the top eight, possibly top 10 over the next couple of months. Um, Rowan's obviously at seven. G- Gina's managed to beat her last four times. Um, mm-hmm. But she has had some good wins against higher ranked players. Um, and then obviously Victor's playing well, Klein's playing well. Yeah, uh, that Japanese uh, uh, girl as well. Uh, Satomi, yeah, yeah, she's based in London actually. Oh, is she? Okay, so do you, do you see her a bit then? No, well, she she sometimes has a practice match with Gina. Um, they, okay. she comes she comes over and has a hit. But yeah, she's she's on the up as well, and I'm not sure if she'll make top ten in the next twelve months, but. She'll definitely keep progressing, that's for sure. And obviously, Naila didn't have a great, great um, uh, US tour, but over the last 12 months, she's been improving a lot. Yeah, yeah, we can't forget her and her sister as well. She's also had some decent results. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, she's another one that's been struggling with injuries again. But um, seems seems a bit of a common theme at the moment that a lot of the girls are picking up injuries and having time out. Right. Well, uh, now in terms of the guys, I mean, you you used to coach. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Peter Barker, um, yeah, bit and uh, Richie Fallows, who's a guy I, I think is extremely talented. I haven't really uh, seen much of him uh, lately. But uh, uh, what what were those years like coaching uh, Peter? Because uh, I mean, he he was a guy. He was a he was a very good player, and he he always gave everybody trouble. He he kind of uh, I think he retired because of a, a knee injury or something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a knee problem that was bugging him for quite a few years. Actually, he was having constant injections and like draining fluid off his knee for for quite a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and he approached me uh, when he was going through a bit of a bad patch. I think he just 
lost to Gilly Lane, not to say Gilly Lane's a good friend of mine, by the way, not to say <laughs> yeah. that was a terrible result, but on paper, it was not a great result for Peter. Good win for Gilly there. Good win for Gilly, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, he approached me. We'd done a, we'd done a bit of co- like coaching camps together, like where we was both coaching other people, uh, and we were quite good friends, and he just said, look, I like the way you coach. Would you be interested in doing some stuff? Um, and I'd never, at that period, I'd never coached anyone of that sort of level. Mm. <clears throat> so I was a bit unsure what I'd be able to offer. Um, and then, yeah, the first session we had, I was like, oh, okay, I can see quite a lot of things wrong here. Mm. Um, so, yeah, he, he never used, he was such a physical beast. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was very hard to break him down, very hard to like get him out of position. He was a great move, especially going into the back two corners. Um, but he never sort of, really... Sort of like a David Palmer type, wasn't he? Like, Well, he was, but, but Palmer was used to volley place. everything. Yeah. Whereas Pete, when when he came to me, never volleyed. Um, so he, he was so comfortable going back into the corners that he just used to rely on doing that. Mm. Um, so... Like, I tried to get him to volley. I think I think we managed to do that a bit more, and then just tried to add a bit more to his short game. Um, so he just yeah, just working on taking the ball in, and it it worked. I mean, I think in the period he, we worked together, I think he was eight when he came to me. He got himself to five, got to the semis of the World Open. I don't think he. I'm pretty sure in the three years we were together, I don't think he lost to anyone outside of top eight in those three years. Yeah. Yeah, he was really consistent there for for that period of time, and uh, he was great to watch play. He was, like you said, tough as nails, and uh, you know uh, he gave everybody in that you know the, the, at the top of the game too. They, he gave them a lot of trouble. So, yeah, I think he got he, he got a win over pretty much everyone above him at one point or another. Yeah, um, but yeah, yeah, I, I enjoyed working with him, and it was it was an eye opener for me as well, coaching someone of top five in the world. Um, just to, just to know that they still have quite a lot of faults. <laughs> yeah. Um, and are you coaching any anyone else, like uh, any of the other uh, any other men on on tour or young juniors or anything? Yeah, not so much with the pros at the moment. Um, I did a bit of work over COVID and lockdown with a few players just to help out um, with their coaches. Yeah. I've done a bit of with um, a couple of Rob's players because they couldn't travel. <clears throat> so they came over and done some stuff with me. Um, like I spoke to Rob and we, we discussed what, what he wanted them to work on and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, main, mainly juniors, like some top juniors. So they're all, they're all playing in the uh, English championships this weekend. Oh, good. So I'm hoping, hoping for some success. You're going to be, you'll be heading over for that, will you? Um, yeah, I'm not there today, but I'm going to head over tomorrow on Sunday hopefully to watch them in the finals on Sunday. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Just uh, just uh, in terms of the men's game, they're, they're, uh, and sort of similar to the women's game, but I, I would say from 10 down through 40, that there's so much movement there. Uh, the men's game is, you know, is a lot of young talent coming through. And uh, uh, so when you look at it, uh, do you see anyone who's coming through right now who who might hold particular promise like that could uh, penetrate to uh, the top of the game? Yeah, I've got, I'll be totally honest where I've been working with Gina over the last couple of years and focusing my time on that. Apart from the top, top guys, I've probably lost a little bit of uh, 
track on who's coming yeah. through. Um, obviously, people like Nick Wall yes. look like they look like they're improving at a really fast rate. Yeah. Um, and he's uh, he's a good kid. I, I know him. I've seen him at events and stuff, and uh, he he can tell he's got a great attitude. Another one of those that probably studies the game a lot. Yeah, he's uh, yeah he's played uh, he's been playing really well of late. He's in Canada now. I think he he lost out. Maybe he might have lost out to Victor or someone one of the top seeds in in his maybe Miguel. I think maybe he lost to Joel. Did he lose to Joel yesterday? Well, maybe yeah yeah uh, yeah. yeah. Know, so yeah, um, yeah he's he's good and I, I like it the way he plays. He's nice and smooth and um, yeah. I mean, in terms of the English, there's a, there's a few of the English guys that over the next couple of years could uh could make a move pats obviously in and around there yeah um he's yeah i mean same again i like the way he plays i think he's he knows himself that he used to go and walk about mentally quite a bit and start firing it in too short too early but um seems like he's he's improving that that side of his game all the time Brilliant. Well, uh, well, Ben, you've been uh, tremendous with your time. I just want to thank you uh, for doing this. Uh, been following uh, Gina for a while now. Really, uh, congratulations on all the success you've had with her, and all the best um, with the juniors this weekend. And, and uh, safe travels to wherever that may be taking you. Thanks a lot, Jerry. Thanks for your time. I uh, really enjoyed that chat with Ben. And again, uh, my deepest condolences uh, to Ben and his family. Um, coming up on the pod, uh, we've got perhaps the best story in women's squash at the moment, Olivia Klein. That'll be early next week. Uh, she's having a really good run at the moment, and uh, we're going to talk to her about uh, her season to date and how things have uh, how things have changed a little bit in terms of her game and her preparations and whatnot. Uh, also, Charlie Lee, uh, hopefully be coming on very soon, along with his father, Danny, who's got the Optasia uh, Open event, which is happening in, in Wimbledon uh, in, at the end of March, and that's fast approaching. So looking forward to having Danny Danny Lee on again as well. Uh, lots to look forward to uh, coming up here on the pod. There's several more uh, in the hopper, as they say, as well. So uh, in the meantime, everybody, uh, take care. Enjoy your squash, as I always say. Uh, I didn't get out this week. Uh, tweaked a little bit of a hamstring uh, doing some running earlier in the week. I tend to get up quite early. I got up at. I usually get up at 5 and get out there for a run maybe around 5 15 it's a little chilly in the mornings here still in the uae but it's warming up uh, in the day but in the mornings it can be a bit chilly and i'm foolhardy enough where uh, i think i'm still in my 20s and i guess even if you're in your 20s you do uh, stretch a bit but i hadn't uh, stretched and then about 3k in i felt something uh, that wasn't very good so i i just stopped uh, it was a bit painful for a day or so i took a few days off uh, feels much better went ran today didn't play squash normally do on a friday but uh looking forward to getting back back out on court next week gotta listen to your body and i think i managed to do that pretty well this week as much as i wanted to uh have a few hard sessions on the court and in the gym feeling a lot better now so i guess that's a lesson learned for me uh hope everything is going well for you on your end check out the panel discussion as i said episode 255 this was a fantastic one with ben ford again thanks to him and thanks to you for listening goodbye now <laughs>